Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. you get your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, whether that's in book form or in app form or electronic form, go ahead and open them to Isaiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And we just got, we only have five verses today, but I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. If you have an app, you can switch to that version. If not, it won't be too dissimilar, but there'll be a few nuances here and there. Uh, I'm excited about this series, Unto Us, the Advent series, as we get into this, this season that the ancient church decided we should do, that we should enter the story of Jesus like the children of Israel, longing for his appearance, for him to come. And that's what this season is all about. And I'm excited that we get to do this, and I'm excited that this is going to be our preaching team that does this. So today you'll hear from me, next Sunday you'll hear from Pastor Ray, then me again, then Pastor Kyle, then me again. And so it's just kind of nice that we'll be able to hear different voices as we go through those themes of hope and joy and peace and love What an incredible time it's going to be. You want to make sure that you're involved in all of our services. But before I read today, doesn't the sanctuary look beautiful? I just want to say thank you to everybody who participated in that. We had a bunch who stayed stayed around and decorated and ate food and we listened to Christmas music. It was beautiful. We hope you'll be a part of every service. But let's hear from the word of the Lord this morning from Isaiah. These are very familiar passages, and our preaching team, we're going to preach from the lectionary, those groupings of of, uh, scriptures that the ancient church put together in order to lead us into this story. Now, they typically go with an Old Testament passage, a psalm, one of the New Testament letters, which Steve beautifully read for us today from Romans, and then a gospel passage. This year, we're going to concentrate in the prophetic passages. And so we're going to all be in Isaiah throughout this season of Advent. I think it's going to be exciting. I hope you'll, you'll feel the same way by the time we get to Christmas. But hear the word of the Lord this morning from Isaiah chapter 2. Very familiar passage. We'll begin at verse 1. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall 
beat their swords into plowshares and the spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. It's the word of God for the people of God, both here and online, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, thank you for uh, singing happy birthday to me. I appreciate that very much. 51 feels a lot like 50. I decided to celebrate this morning early with a 5.1 mile run. And it was fun. It was good. I saw a beautiful buck. If anybody's, I don't think you can hunt in Portage, but it's along the trail. It was pretty. I looked at him and he looked at me. Seemed to know he was safe. But today is not only my birthday. Today is also my 14th anniversary as your pastor. 14 years ago today, we started this crazy journey. And there's something about birthdays and something about anniversaries like this that just cause you to reminisce a bit. I mean, I was thinking back to that first Sunday we had traveled from Northern Ireland and flown in and we were here for that week and Jackson got super sick. He spent his first three nights in Michigan in the children's wing at Bronson Hospital and I slept in one of those awful chairs that only goes back about this far. And we came in exhausted and we were smaller then. There weren't as many of you here. And we had been through, you guys had been through a ton highs and lows but we had hope and as i came in as a pastor i had hope for what god could do here among us together birthdays often feel the same way you kind of reminisce and you think about birthdays of the past and you you think about uh, those those times and those moments of what it was like growing up we ought to celebrate my mom who's sitting right there she did all the work 51 years ago I just showed up. But you begin to think about those things and you begin to reminisce. You begin to think about the good times, the fun times, the Disney World, the parties. And you begin to think about the more difficult things, the times of discipline. And, uh, and I had a few of those moments. <laughs> I'm sure you've been there as well. They were times of remembering the good and also times of remembering the pain sometimes of what it takes to mature. Because for us to mature, we have to do things wrong. And for us to mature, we have to be patient. We have to have patient people around us to both point us in the right direction and place those boundaries there and set us going forward. It's something that when you look at, if you have kids, you know, there's a great hope that, that your kid is here and you, you love them and you're just enjoying watching them grow. And the, the hope of, well, we've got to put some boundaries here in order to see the hope mature and become fulfilled in their life. And my parents did that for me. I think this season of Advent and this passage in particular is going to lead us into something that feels a lot like parental discipline. That hope, 
But it's a maturing hope. It's a hope that hopes and sees something, catches glimpses of some things, and you want to see that mature. Those times of parental discipline, sometimes they hurt. (laughs) When I was little, sometimes my backside hurt. When I was older, sometimes the relationships were hurt. And there were certain things that might have been taken away. But I always experienced this. I I had good parents. I have good parents. There was hurt. But there was always a hope that was attached to it. A a hope that that something was going to be called out in me. And the hope that although I had strayed off course, that wasn't who they saw in me. And there was always a direction back and a hope for what would come in the future. Now, when those discipline times came, that hurt showed me the harm of my actions. So a good way that we talk about this is that the punishment fit the crime. So if I wasn't being responsible when I was an older teenager with my car, then I got to experience what it was like to reminisce about that car. Or that, or if I was staying up till one or two o'clock in the morning talking to a friend on the landline that my parents graciously put in my bedroom, because remember those days, I am 51. And if I wasn't being responsible for that, then I could just use the phone that was in the family room and didn't have a cord long enough to go where somewhere was private. <laughs> The punishment always fit the crime and it always came with a hope that there would be something good and maturing in in this. There was always hope. It was always, I believe this, motivated by hope. I may not have been able to verbalize that when I was 14 or 15 or 16, but looking back, I can say with all confidence that although it hurt and although there was pain involved, It was trying to get me to confront the harm I was doing either to myself or to society or to my family. And it was always done with hope that I would mature into the man they saw me to be. A man who's going to follow Christ. A man who is going to be compassionate. A man who's going to look to the needs of others and not just myself. It was always motivated by hope. Well... This, this passage that we have here today, we get to hear the hope part, but really emerges out of this kind of parental discipline between God and His children, the children of Israel, that, that He had called forth out of Egypt and had, had entered into covenant with them, almost a marriage relationship. And over the years, they had not done that. They had not followed after that. They had always strayed. They had always broken. And there were always times where God was leading them back. Sometimes He would call a new leader. Sometimes there would be a judge who would, who would lead them and help them and guide them. There were always the prophets who were those parental voices that saying, you are off track. And we don't like hearing them. We like the hopeful parts. But the hurt parts we tend to leave off. So I don't want to do that today. I want us to begin to look at this message to the leaders of Jerusalem and Judah that Isaiah is giving them. And he doesn't begin in chapter 2. He begins in chapter 1. And it is like a parental discipline message from God to His children. One that is going to talk about the hurt that is coming because of the harm that they've been doing. But it is with hope. 
So I want us to really quickly see this because it is pretty scathing and most of us would want to rush right by it. So if you want to go back one chapter in your Bible, you can begin to look at that. uh, Now I'm in Song of Solomon. That's wrong. Okay, here we go. I want us to see this. It's very scathing. Isaiah says God is saying this to the people. We see in verse 1 and 2 that the parent doesn't look like the child or isn't acting uh, like the the child isn't acting like the parent. God says, I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Doesn't this just sound like a parent? The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel doesn't know. My people do not understand. He says that that child isn't looking like the parents. He he goes on and says in verses 4 through 6 that the sinning city is very sick. He says you just keep running into a wall over and over. Why do you seek further beatings? Why do you continue to rebel? He says the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But bruises and sores and bleeding wounds, they have not been drained or bound up or softened with oil. He says the community has been consumed in verses 7 through 9. He says your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, aliens devour your land. It's desolate and overthrown by foreigners. You see, Isaiah was preaching to the southern kingdom, Judah, in Jerusalem. They would have seen the northern kingdom earlier in in those years. They would have seen that Assyria came in and destroyed the land and carried the people away off into exile. So he's describing that. And he, he even says, if there wasn't a remnant that was left, you would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. For us, that would be, we would probably say it's, it's like Pompeii. It's just utterly destroyed. There's nothing left. He goes on and says, worship because of this, because you, you're not looking like me, because you are so sick, because you have been consumed by things. Worship has become a waste of time. We won't read all of it, but verse, if you want to read verses 10 through 17, it's like God is just sick and tired of the promises. He's sick and tired of you coming in and going through the ritual, all of which is bound up in the covenant, but you're not living it out. You're saying you believe it and you're, you're singing about it or proclaiming it in a prayer, but it's not translating out into the community. And that's what he's calling us to. The learning is for living. And he's not seeing the living. To the point where he's like, oh, just stop with all of this. Let's stop the charades. He goes on and says, the helpless are being harmed. You want proof that you've learned but you're not living it? The helpless are harmed. Verse 17, he says, we want, we want, you need to help the, the orphan, the widow, the foreigner in your lands. In verse 23, he says, the, the system isn't working. You're taking a bribe. And the powerless's voice is not being heard. I, I know we can't relate to this in any way. Therefore, like a parent who has to discipline a child, God says in verses 25 and 26, turn there, verses 25 and 26, I will turn my hand against you. Now I want you to hear this. 
Because he is saying there is going to be hurt coming due to their harm, the harm they're doing to themselves, the harm they're doing to the community, the harm that they're doing to the family. But it is done with hope in mind. Listen to this. I will turn my hand against you. I will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy. I will restore your judges as at first and your counselors at the beginning. Afterwards, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. How many of you have parents have ever had to turn your hand against your child? I already commented that my, that hand used to get turned, turned about right here. But it was again with hope that something was going to be called out. That the glimpse of who they saw in me would be restored. I want you to hear this today because we hear these passages and, and it feels like we want to run away from a God like this. But I want you to hear this. God is not impatient or sadistic in this judgment, in this discipline. We read this and we think, wow, he just jumped. This was chapter one. But so we need to remember this is God who has been with these people for centuries. He has been so patient. He has tried and tried and tried and tried to lead and guide and place boundaries and leaders and helps and, and give them teachings and, and call them forward back and forth. And it just seems like no matter what, these children just want to keep doing their own thing. And so finally, he says... This is going to happen. But he's doing it with hope, not just because he's mean and he's upset and he just wants, he just wants to beat somebody. This is discipline with hope. It has been centuries. And the punishment is going to fit the crime. In essence, what God is saying is here, if you want to live like a country with no God, with idols, then you will experience what that country is like in exile. And you will go to a country where they worship idols. There are no gods. And you will find yourself and you will see exactly what that is like. If you are not going to live by giving justice out into the world to look out for the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner in your land, then you will experience what it is like to be poor, to be orphaned, and the foreigner in a foreign land. And that is exactly what happened. They went into exile because they would not listen even to the voice of Isaiah the prophet. So they found themselves there. In some ways, the discipline worked. You know, after the exile in Babylon, the children of Israel never, never struggled with idolatry again. There weren't idols. Something took. But it left them longing. For God to come back to His city and to bring them home. This sounds like a horrible punishment, but it is still done with great hope from God. And our passage is the hopeful part. So let's, let's return to the hope. Enough with the, with the other part. Let's, let's get to the good part, right? 
Our passage is the hopeful part. The hope is there in verse 2 that God will come again to His city. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain. It shall be raised above the hills. The hope that the nations will stream to the city in order to learn. This would be a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that all the nations of the world will be blessed through Him. And there's a great hope and a longing for that. And we see many peoples will come and say, and there's a hope that God will be the teacher. Did you see this at the very end? What, what they say the nations are saying? Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that His priests may teach us? That His religious leaders may teach us? What does it say there? That He may teach us His ways. That God would become the teacher. The hope that God would become the judge and the arbiter. Those two, I think, need to be... We can't get away from putting those two together. A judgment is not just about punishing someone. It is about arbitration. It is about finding who's in the wrong and who's in the right and finding a way forwards together. And there's a hope that God will become that person. He's the only one who could be trusted. And the hope that God will be such an effect teacher and such an arbiter that war ceases. Can you imagine that, folks? That war ceases. We see that in verse 4. And then finally, the hope that God's children, you and I, will walk in the light of that hope. That that's just going to continue and continue and continue. Now at this point, you might be saying, wait, Why are we talking about this as we lead up to Christmas? Aren't we supposed to be talking about shepherds and mangers and all that kind of stuff? We will! But we're in Advent, not Christmas. We start by longing. We start by looking at the reality of life around us. And the truth is, when we look out, we see a lot of pain and wounds and hurt. And we need to hear that message that's going to call us forward and call us in hope to where God sees the world going and restored. Why are we talking about this in the lead up to Christmas? Let me skip ahead just a little bit. Because we believe, my friends, that in Jesus' birth, God did in flesh come to the city of Jerusalem. In the birth of Jesus, God in flesh became the teacher in wisdom, in His Sermon on the Mount, in His parables, in His teachings with His disciples. He became that teacher in His example from the very fact that He was born humbly, not in a palace, but in a manger. It taught us something. It showed us something. As He served over and over and over again throughout His life, it taught us something. He taught us in His death that God was willing to give His all in order for us to experience the hope that comes in Jesus. In His resurrection, He taught us that death no longer has the final word. And we can always hope in all circumstances. In Jesus, God became the arbiter, the one who was going to work things out so that we could move forward. And it wasn't just between nations, but between hurtful people and a hopeful Father God who longs for the best for all of us. Jesus' teaching and arbitration is so 
effective that the nations did stream in to be taught by Him. And at Pentecost, He poured out His Spirit on all flesh so that we could begin to embody that hope in our everyday world. Foreign nations came, became family, and there's a reason why we, our church is global and not just here. Because all the families of the earth in this hopeful Jesus have become our family as well through Him. And someday, because of that baby born in Bethlehem, war will cease, my friends. I'm here to proclaim that today. Tanks will be turned into tractors. Missile silos will become grain silos. Assault rifles will become apple pickers. Firearms will become farm equipment. Can't you wait for that day? That is the hope. That is the hope. That the baby born in Bethlehem brought this hope into our world. And if we look around, we might just catch glimpses of it. Of this hope beginning to emerge. You might see it right here in Cross Community Church. But it doesn't mean the work is done. And that's what Advent is all about. That we long for that full maturity to take place and we enter into the longing again. But it's a hopeful longing. It's a longing with a father we know is looking for the best in you. Kids, do you know your parents want the best for you? And even when the discipline has to happen, it's because they hope something for you. And they want to see that grow in you. We catch glimpses of this, but there is more to come. So the season of Advent gives us this space to enter into the longing with some hope. And I want us to do that in a different way. I want to ask you a few questions. When you look around in the world, when you watch the news... Are you horrified because of what you see in the world? It's easy to get that way. But our hope says that God's not done with the world yet. So we are called not to lose hope. Do you feel hopeless in some of your relationships? Maybe you came in today after an argument with your kids or with your spouse or with your boss. You just feel like, ugh. Why am I even doing this anymore? Our hope says that God will teach and arbitrate. He's not done. He has hope for your relationship. Are you willing to yield to Him the weapons you may be using in the relationship wars? Are you willing to seek His wisdom for how to move forward with this? Do you feel helpless in your own life? That there's something you just keep struggling with over and over and it just seems to have hit you out of nowhere or it seems to be something that just keeps sticking around over a bad habit you can't get rid of. Maybe even an addiction that just keeps coming up over and over and you're beginning to feel hopeless with your own ability to live as God has called you. Our hope says God is not done. God has hope for you. God has hope for you today on this first Sunday of the year. So I want to declare to you at this beginning, on this anniversary, on my birthday, I want to say to you here and online, don't give up. Hope has come unto us. Hope can grow. The God 
who may need to discipline us has hope for you. He is not done with you. He will never be done with you. He will always come to you with His love and discipline and move you into the maturity that He knows you can be, that He died for you to be. And this season of Advent allows us to enter into this hopeful longing. Oh God, come. Come again. Come into my heart, into my life, into my relationships. Are you willing to trust, to hope? I would like for us to pray today. I'm going to have Deb come and just play something softly on the piano. Don't worry, we're not going to stand and face each other today. (laughs) But I'm just wondering if we would like to start this new church calendar year. Praying for hope. As families, praying for God to come once again into where we are and to bring us to maturity. Maybe not fully, but at least when we look back at this time next year, we've grown. Just like our little church has over these 14 years. That our understanding deepens into where our learning is actually being lived out. In our church, and our families. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us to gather and pray. I'd like for you all to pray. I'll I'll lead us. That's okay. But I'd like for you to gather in your families, if that's okay. If you're if you're here, and and you're single, you have a friend who's here. Then join with them. That that's family. Or if you don't have anybody like that, you can be a part of my family. So come and kneel with us. But I I'd love for. Lori and Jackson and my mom to come right here. I'd like to kneel at the altar. I want to say the altars are open if you want to gather with your family. And you just want to begin the new year leaning into maybe some discipline from God, but with the hope that God has a promise. God sees something in your family. God sees something in you. God sees something in your kids. If you'd like to gather, would you come? You can gather here. You can stay where you are and gather there. But I'm going to say the altars are open and we're just going to take uh, the next few minutes until the end of service to pray together. Would you come? If the altars fill up, you can use these front pews. That's fine. But come as a family. Come. And let's spend some time praying together. Is that okay? Come with your family or snuggle in close with your family. And you pray. Ask God to bless your family. To mature your family and give you wisdom. How to be a dad, a mom, a kid, a student. Let's spend some time praying this morning. If you're online, just gather with those who are right there with you. Gather around. Hold hands if you're comfortable with that. And let's just spend a little time in prayer this morning. You pray. 
Husbands, pray for your spouse and your kids. Wives, pray for your spouse and your kids. Grandparents, pray for your grandkids. Pray that this hope that has come in Jesus will grow in your family this year. Let's spend that time together. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that we can begin this year knowing that you have a great hope for us that has come in Jesus and that is maturing in our lives. And we need your wisdom. We need your strength in our families. I need to learn from you how to be a good and maturing son and husband and dad. And so I pray that as we begin this season, if there is something that I've been doing that is harmful, that you would correct and discipline. I can trust you because you have great hope for me. You see something and you long to see that fulfilled more and more. I pray for my son, Jackson, that you would bless him and he would hear the hope that you have for him. That he would grow in his knowledge of you. Learn of you and live that out in his world. I pray for Lori that you would just continue to lead her to stir up that hope that you have for her. And for my mom, that you would bless her and continue to to mature her and grow her in the hope that you have for her. I pray this for all our families, that we would sense that hope and that need and that desire on your part to lead us, to bless us, to guide us, to come and teach us and heal us and to send us out into our world. God, we are so grateful that we can begin this holiday season leaning into the great hope that we have because Jesus was born. Open us up this holiday season to know that you are here, that in spite of the news, there is hope. May we hold on to that with all that we have. For we pray and we ask these things in the name of the one who is our hope, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. It's a beautiful time. Thanks for uh, indulging me on my birthday here. (laughs) Would you stand and receive this blessing as we go? And now, my brothers and sisters, my friends, my family, may you know and deeply experience the hope that God has for you that has been unleashed in Jesus and will always be calling you forward to grow in His name. I pray that you would go in His blessing and His peace and may this week you be filled with hope for the wonderful holiday season that is coming. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great, great rest of your day. Make sure you eat some of my birthday donuts. They need to be gone. I don't want to take them home. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.